4: Welcome to the besotted Pride of West London podcast. We're feeling bright and breezy after a bit of a weekend on the south coast. Came back with three points as well. Absolutely marvellous trip down to Brighton. Nearly 3,000 bees and we were part of that little posse that went down on the trains and the boats and the planes and all sorts down to the south coast. And um, yeah, back in the game as they say. I'm here in the studio. My name's Billy Grant and I'm with Mr. David Lane, hello Mr. Lane.
5: Good evening William, how are you today? Not bad on yourself? Yeah, yeah, still, still buzzing from the Brighton uh, Brighton win, so pretty impressive day out for, for Bees, wasn't it? Packed pack away end, good sing-song, three points, Some um, good football, so uh, sets us up nicely for Norwich, don't you think?
4: It does indeed, and uh, anything caught your eye this week, Mr. Lane?
5: Uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's not not been a huge amount of transfers still. Um, um, I think we're looking for this landmark striker. I know, I know, uh, I know there are some, some coming, which we'll talk about briefly. But um, yeah, I mean, what what what's uh, the story that jumped out to me recently was uh, obviously uh, another Brentford striker of days gone by was D J Campbell. Um, you know, he's uh, he's a player that. Uh, left just before he reached his potential um with Brentford, he was Bell, so he'd always be remembered for that goal um against Sunderland that knocked him out of the FA Cup. Um and uh he's had his he's had his name tarnished over the last couple of years about um uh about his uh, about a case about some um, uh allegations about spot fixing. So um it looks like he's uh that nightmare's behind him. The uh the case has been dropped due to insufficient evidence. So he's talking about um resurrecting his career, whether he can do it or not, he's thirty three years old now. But um uh, we we might we might see him uh, we might see him knocking in the goals again in the lower league so uh, if not non-league so um yeah so DJ Campbell still buzzing around um, just uh, you know we need to find somewhere someone who's got that uh, that 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 raw talent again and maybe we have in Andre Gray you know he's is someone who can uh, so he's got bags of potential and hopefully leads that potential at Brentford.
4: Yes and also in the studio we have got Nick come after you you all right there Nick. Yep, hi Bill. Are you alright? Not bad. You got a bit of sea breezy on Saturday as well, didn't you?
6: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Just to recover my voice back as well. Yeah, yeah. I tell you what caught my eye, Bill, this week was uh, Andy Scott going from Aldershot. Um January, February not a good time for him, is it? Um... No at all
4: actually, is it?
6: And uh apparently there protests outside the dressing rooms before he actually got sacked, didn't were there? Well, I'd I'm not surprised. I mean it'd be interesting to know did the uh did the Aldershot players play like uh, the brentford team did at dagenham and redbridge where it was the only game i've ever seen where i think the brentford players basically you can't use the term through the game but you know they definitely weren't playing for the manager that night no, um, no, and, uh, that's when you knew that andy scott was going to go any minute um, uh, and uh it looks like we're going to get that game back again the the spot
4: scott slot you <laughs> basically have to spot andy scott and uh, I, I have a feeling that we might spot him up at Leeds because their manager might go at any time soon and uh, Andy Scott's always hanging around waiting for uh, for that next next job, really.
6: Well, I presume by the time this goes up we'll know what the result of the Sheffield United Tottenham game does but if Clough doesn't take him to uh, Wembley perhaps uh, perhaps he can get back into his old club at Sheffield United. Or will he be the club that didn't quite take him. Didn't well? they? Are? I didn't know that. Yeah, no, no,
5: didn't as, a, as a manager, isn't it? And yeah, it didn't quite happened, did it, but you, you got a, you've got a sort of uh, assume that um, Scott's career is probably his manager is probably all but over now really, isn't it? And you would have saw, I can't imagine another league club um, taking a punt on him. His uh his stock is quite low at the moment, as it were. That's right, that's right. So listen, we're gonna kick on you know,
6: because got the got kick other off. thing I was gonna say was that uh, hasn't um uh, Nicky Forster gone for not Nicky Forster, who am I thinking of? Dover manager. Um, was with us. Nicky Sorry, his name's Conflict. Yeah, it was Nicky, Foster, yeah,
4: Nicky Forster. Yeah, Nicky Forster's actually gone a manager of Staines Town.
5: Instead of Marcus Gale,
4: yeah. That's correct, yeah. So Marcus Gale got um, well resigned uh, from his job and Nicky Forster got the job. So a bee leaves and another bee joins in his place. So uh, we wish them both the best of luck down there. But anyway, we're going to kick on because we've got actually a pretty packed show today. We're going to try and see if we could squeeze it all in to as uh, small time as possible. Later on, we're going to be chatting to Mark Devlin, the CEO of Brentford, and asking him exactly what he thinks of that £35 match ticket that Norwich are going to charge Brentford fans. We've also got Michael Brunskill from the Football Supporters Federation on. and He's going to tell us what moves are going down to get fairer ticketing for fans. We're just going to chat to Jake Ree from Norwich on his thoughts on Norwich's ticket prices, and uh, we're also going to talk to Peter Lamell from Norwich, Norwich fan, about his thoughts on ticketing prices and what's going down at Norwich as well. And as a special feature, we're not sure yet. We'll see if we can squeeze it in. But we've tracked down a bit of an old face, an old name from Brentford, goalkeeper Tony Parks. Hopefully, we're going to get him. On the line a bit later to chat about old school Brentford, new school Brentford, and what exactly he's doing at this moment in time down at Norwich. But anyway, let's go back to the weekend, Brighton. The Brighton game, one nil to the Bees. Andre Gray scores a goal, dinks it over the top with a bit of a deflection. Fans were singing, absolutely berserk. Let's listen to what they had to say in the pub and on the trains after the game.
1: Bill, super atmosphere today. We, we you know, nearly three thousand Bees fans down at the first ever visit down the Amex. Um, Doing the double over Brighton for me is just fantastic. You know we've six points over what were uh, for me a playoff team last season, the season before. No, we we are reaching new heights this season. We're actually occasionally not playing that well and still getting the results. And today was one of those. We should have won two or three. One or two chances Brighton had. I thought um, we defended very well, but had a great game today. We should have been more clinical, but we won again. And we're fifth. We're just going forward, Bill. We had a lot of possession, a lot of chances, and there was a little bit of uh, reticence from the forwards to, 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 to take the responsibility. I think we need to be that little bit more clinical now in the second half of the season. We're doing great, we're doing OK, but the next, we need to go up just another gear.
3: Oh, I thought we were always in control. They started well, Brian. And I think the red card did help us today. I did, we are a bit flat going forward, but we had a lot of chances. We should have won probably about 4-1 or something in the end. They only really had one threatening chance, and Button saved it well. Any any, any result away from home is a good result in this league. To be fair to Brighton,
1: I thought they did all right. I th- to be fair, I think we probably should have lost. Um, very impressed with Gray again, very impressed. Just think he, he work, works his nuts off, to be fair. Um, I, sh- I also do want to give a shout-out to Smith. I think he's superb when he comes on. He calms everything down. He, ju- he comes on officially and he just bosses it and thinks, nah, not having this, and he just calms the whole whole midfield down. I think he's superb. Shows his experience. Uh, shout-out to Button as well. There's a lot of people around me today giving it, giving it all this about Button's distribution. There is
3: no-one in this league, goalkeeper-wise, who's got better distribution than him. Ground it out. Uh, Lewis Dunk did his best to help us. Uh, I thought we played well. A bit of disagreement amongst the lads, but I thought that was a solid performance. What is the disagreement? Tell us what that's all
7: about. Uh, Brother thought we were a bit wobbly at the back, but I've seen a lot worse this season. I thought we we did okay. Uh,
8: Yeah, I thought first half was quite an even game. I thought the first goal was very important and uh, the sending off of Dunk. I think that changed a little bit of the game. Yeah, what the hell was going on there? I mean, at the end of the day, that was totally unnecessary, wasn't it? Yeah, stupid. Stupid decision. And uh, it cost us getting back in the game.
4: I've got a Brighton and a Brentford fan sitting side by (laughs) side and and I have to separate them. (laughs) I'm not sure. Are you married?
1: (laughs) We've been married since 1969, so... (laughs) Uh,
4: listen, know. what's going to happen tonight? Because obviously separate beds, is it?
1: Yeah, no, no. Her granddad was uh, <laughs> was the groundsman at uh, Griffin Park. So, so, so
4: you're, you're obviously happy with the result because things are going to no, go no, nicely I'm tonight. I'm Happy
1: with the result when we lose, but she's happy, so I'm happy. Brighton needed the points more than Brentford did, I think.
4: But did you deserve the points today?
1: No, <laughs> no. Brentford were the better team by a long way. And
8: and, and 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 in what respect were you saying were the better team?
1: Did better football.
8: Brighton had a few decent chances, but I made a few good saves, and he's looking like the quality keeper he is, but I thought we definitely missed the more guilt edge chances, uh, especially Torrell and Saunders at the end, Super Sub's coming on there, you know, it could have been 2-3-0 so I don't think Brighton can have too many complaints there and uh, I think uh, although we're not quite at the level we were at in, you know, sort of November, December, we are definitely, if not back on top form, the B's are back. Top six to say at the moment now, I mean that, that that's that's saying a lot, isn't it? Oh, that's just stuff dreams are made of. I mean, if you'd have offered me that at the start of the season, I'd have been in your hand off. Uh, as with most Beach fans, uh, where we can stay there now is a different is a different matter. It's going to be a very tough second half of the season. Um, as we found out only a few weeks ago, you know, Chris Hewitt was saying after the first Brighton game that uh, our, our sort of expansive passing game can allow teams to catch us out on the break, and that's happened a few times, but. But since then, as Stewie Daly said last week, we've learned how to win ugly as well, you know. So it looks like, it looks like we've had, got that elusive plan B sorted, you know, that if we, if we can't uh, win playing our, our beautiful game, we can win ugly like we did last week. And today, you know, it wasn't a, a 10 out of 10 performance, but I still thought we, you know, played our game, sprayed the ball around, and uh, even when we're not on top-notch form, we can still dig the results out. But what Warburton was saying after the game that, uh, you know, the headlines would be Brentford straight to victory, but he uh, went to make the point that, you know, it should have been more comfortable than that. We didn't scrape a win. You know, it, it could have been more, should have been more. And it was, it, it was more comfortable than grinding it out in the end, I thought.
4: So, yes, listen to the fans on the way back from the game. Um, everyone was in good spirits. Even the Brighton fans were all right, because I think they were resigned to the fact that they were beaten by it. Dare I say it. And this isn't boasting. I'm just saying a better team on the day, even though they did have the chance to... To to win that game, but they know they didn't take it. And if you don't take your chances, as lots of Wolves fans and Ipswich fans keep on telling us, you ain't gonna win the game. That was all right on Saturday, wasn't it? But probably could have been a little bit better. But we'll we'll take that, won't we?
5: I, th- I think you go to any places like that, you, you you can expect the home team to have a lot of pressure. You know. You know, this um for them to, to start thinking of that as a reason for us not to have won, you know, any away game, it, that's, that's why it's more difficult to win away games than home games. So the home the home side is expected to have the take the the crowd behind them, they're supposed to have majority of the play, they're supposed to be you know, really pushing for the win. That's where you know the counter-attacking football was was born. Wasn't it? You soak the pressure up from the home team. You hit him on the break. That's 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 classic away 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 form. But you know, that's, again, once again, that didn't really happen. We we had more possession than them. Um, and yeah, they, they they did have chances, but so they should. Um, I thought Saturday was probably David Button's best game in a Brentford shirt. He um, not only did he look composed and he controlled his area. Um, some of the saves he made were just out of the, out of the top drawer. It was no, it was nothing going to go past him that day. And it seems like he's becoming more dominant. Um, and you could have you could have criticised him probably in the past for for not being that rock, not wanting to knock defenders out of the way to get to the ball. And it seems I, I don't know what it is whether the pennies drops that maybe there was competition. Maybe um, it's, it's just him getting older and mature, and he's just more confident. But you know, uh, he's really coming of age, and some some knock his distribution. But you know, I, I think more often than not, it, it's good. He can improve on it. He will improve on it. He's still young. So um, all round on Saturday, I came away with a big smile on my face, and um, you know that, that the singing on the on the, the train back to to Brighton. From the ground was just really, really funny, and the the, the Brighton fans, to their credit, they, they took it really well. And I think all of them, to, to a man and to a woman, they they tipped their hat to us and they said, they, I think they knew they'd been beaten by a better team. Um, and we haven't had, we haven't had that sort of uh, you're just a little club all week, which we would have got from Wolves. You know, I, I just think it was it was a good a good day out and a nice bunch down there. Nick, I
4: mean Brighton. Had quite a few chances to go ahead in that first half and they didn't take them if they had scored those goals again as we said you know we might have
6: struggled a little bit <sighs> Yeah, I mean, they, they looked like a team that was still short of confidence. I mean, I guess Chris Hewton hasn't been able to to, to, to do what he wants to do with them, but I think they'll be safe as the, the time goes on. Um, my worry on Saturday was that we were playing some beautiful football up until we got into the box. I mean, you know, Terrell's miss was, well, you know, that was skating on ice, wasn't it? You'd have thought the pitch was uh, an ice rink, the way he was performing on it. Um, but the rest of the time, the other players we had, I was, yeah, slightly worried, tippy-tappy stuff. Just sometimes you'd like to see them put their put their foot through the ball and uh, shoot, you know. Um, and I guess that's probably where we're missing people like Alan Judge and McCormack, you know, who are not afraid of having a shot um, off the game. But on the whole, as Dave says, it was a brilliant day out. I thought the stadium was nice. Uh, I thought the stewarding and the um, staff you know the welcome they gave to the Brentford fans was was good. Um, delighted to have gone away there from three points, and um, you know we'll have uh, we'll play we'll play far better and lose this season. Um, so you know, good on us for for getting out of there with three points. And, and, we'll talk about, cool.
4: and talking about the stadium, um, obviously we're moving to a new stadium in maybe two three years timeline on Road. So I think we go to stadiums like this to have a look and. Everyone's talking about this stadium, the Amphamick Stadium, this is the stadium, this is the template that we need to have. Um, It's just interesting to see exactly what you thought, you know, the stadium was nice, the stadium was good. I mean, I thought the atmosphere, whether or not that's the stadium or if it's just the fans, was a bit flat. From the home fans, the away fans were rocking, but the home fans, the stadium, I thought they were was a bit flat uh, myself. Now, I don't know if this is kind of, again, one of these things which is a result is what you get with these all-seater stadiums. People sit down there and they get on the old Picasso mode where they'd rather sit down and watch football rather than actually get up and get behind their teams as such. Um, I don't know what you, what you thought about that.
6: I didn't, have, I didn't have an issue with that. I thought that... Um home fans, if they don't choose to sing, we'll sing for them and we'll sing on our own. I was uh, happy that we created the atmosphere. In a, When it comes to a new stadium, well we'll have the debate from now until the new stadium opens, but if you create areas where people can stand, and I thought the good thing about the Brighton stewards on Saturday is that they actually did allow the singing Brentford fans to stand at the back and to sing. Um, which I'm not certain all stewards do at all grounds. In fact, I think we're getting to the ground on Saturday where we'll be positively told to stay in our seats, and that will be interesting to see where the atmosphere comes from there. The only problem is with those larger stadiums is if they're only three quarters full, um, and if the what you need is the stingers and the people cheering on their team to congregate in one area. I noticed that there were two or three. Areas where there were isolated groups of Brighton fans trying to cheer on their fan, trying to cheer, cheer on their team, and therefore you don't get that good effect.
5: Um, I, I thought the stadium was impressive. It's, it's, it's very well designed. Um, the Brentford Inn was packed. I did. I did. I thought the atmosphere was pretty good. I, it wasn't. It wasn't that loud. I, th- I think it was quite difficult to make make a real crescendo of noise. I know, and I noticed that the um, the 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 pitch was still a fair a fair way from from the fans in the, in certain areas, especially at the sides. And when it rained, the rain really came in. So I think I think the roof's really high. So I I, I don't think it sort of um I don't think, I don't think the acoustics were brilliant. It, it, it didn't. I think I've been in smaller crowds that sing louder just because of the just just because of the, actually the proximity of the roof to where we're, where we're sitting. Um, but and I, and I think Brighton have got the luxury of I know I know they um, you know they had to wait long enough to find this ground and they they've gone through a lot of hardship before they could you know have a have a have a stadium they could call their own again. But um, it's luxury. I don't think Brentford are going to have they've got quite a bit of space there. We're we're going to be hemmed in. Um, it's, it's 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 you know well we know it's a triangular piece of land and we're going to be really quirky. So you know, I, I, hopefully that's going to you know. Um, Go in our, our favour that we don't we don't get a, a cardboard box and Amex certainly isn't one. It's you know, it's a it's a lovely design ground. It's aesthetically pleasing and um, you, know, um, I, you know I think it'll stand the test of time as well, which is the other criteria.
4: Okay, one well, one thing I thought was actually quite interesting is I mean I know you were back on the train with the Brentford fans were singing on the train on the way home. A lot of fans actually decided to stay in the stadium and uh, wait for the traffic and for the trains to sort of queue to die down. And uh, Brighton are actually serving beer after the game, uh interesting as well, because they also not only serve like a lager beer but they also serve a local ale as well, which is you know ad- adding a touch of personality. had the Brentford badges up there as well, you know just certain touches that they had, which Mark Devlin and said we'll talk about later but what I thought was quite interesting is that there's probably a good old 500 Brentford fans in there for probably 30, 40 minutes after the game, still drinking and singing. We went around the stadium, there were Brighton fans doing exactly the same thing. Brighton must have taken an extra, I don't know, maybe. Sort of one, two thousand pounds, three thousand, four, five thousand pounds. off just after the game as well, making more money. And this is this whole thing about merchandising. And if certain clubs want to make money instead of making on the tickets, see if they they could actually kind of, you know, give other things to fans that they decide that they want to make, spend their money on.
5: Still, I still rather celebrate a win back in a proper boozer. I mean, the fact that it was miles away from anywhere was the reason. And if you'd lost three nil, you'd have been out, the, you know, the hell out of there with five minutes to go or the final whistle, legging it back to the back to the train station but yeah i guess if you if you've won is uh you know it's, it's different to if you've drawn or if you lost when you just want to get home but um yeah um i don't know i thought it, i thought in the concourse areas i thought it was just another concrete bowl to be honest with you um from the outside they have got some cladding up and it looked nicer but inside it was just a uh, you know your usual concreteness so um no i don't yeah i mean good, good on them for making a little bit of an effort but um you know, I'd, I'd rather
4: be in a real pub after a match. I mean, that's all, but I just thought it was interesting that a lot of fans actually took up the offer. But anyway, let's go around Brentford, see what else is happening just quickly before we move on to other things. He signed another striker, finally, from Everton, a guy called Chris Law. Only a youth player, but everyone's talking about him. Martinez records he's going to be the business. He, uh, he had a loan, uh, I think, last season. Um, or earlier this season as well and you know a few people raving about him. There's a goal on the Bradford website as well if you check it where he scored a wicked goal where he sort of curved the ball in. Um, Has this uh, got you guys excited?
6: Yeah, it's got me excited because it's got me excited by thinking that Big Nick has probably had his time with us now. I hope that uh, he's not a replacement for Tommy Smith, because that's somebody else. Um, Going back to Saturday's game, I actually was impressed by the way Tommy Smith played. Um, I thought he showed a really professional, uh, wise head on his shoulders when he came on. Um, to make sure that we defended our, you know, defended our lead, um, didn't do anything stupid. Um, so this new guy coming along, he looks exciting. He looks as though he can score, score goals. Um, Martinez, if Martinez rates him, it's got to be something going for him because I think Martinez is not a bad judge of a player, despite what's happening to Everton at the moment. Um, and as I said, I think you know, thank you, thank you for your services, Nick, but um, we've now used you.
4: And also, we got this striker, Michael Duffy, from Derry. But um, the funny thing is that he was, actually, he was actually training with Celtic, and Celtic were looking to sign him. And then he went back to Derry, and now he's with us, and we're looking to sign him and basically poach him off Celtic. I think the Celtic fans are very happy. Um, so we've got one scenario where we've, we've nabbed somebody from Rangers, and a few weeks later, it looks like we might nab someone from Celtic. Um, again, Laney, what you figure out?
5: Duffy from Derry. I like the sound of that. Um, yeah, I think it's a great it's a great sign of our intent where you know players want to come to play for Brentford in the Championship and play for either of the two Glasgow giants. Um, uh, I, I think he's better off in. The English Championship, I think, it's a better shot window for him. Um, I think anyone that knows anything about football now um, is aware of Warburton and um, Weir and look and that, that team. Um, uh, so I, I think it's just a sign that these, these stars will take Brentford seriously now. And I think you spoke about it last week or the week before, Bill, about how difficult it was for Brentford to, to secure players like that when we were in League One. Now we're not in League One, and we're challenging the right end of the table. I think it—you know—people just perceive us in a completely different light, um, and you know, they're not—they're not necessarily interested in our history. Some of the fans of these other big clubs, they might just be constantly looking at the history, harping on about you've won nothing, you're just a little club, you're ten Tim Pot Brentford. But agents, players, coaches, um, other managers—they know that's not—they know that's not the coup anymore. So. Um, that think, you know, bit by bit, these kind of signings and us being able to pick up players ahead of perceived uh, bigger clubs is, uh, is just fantastic. And just looking
4: ahead, next few games actually, Borough, they put their tickets on sale for Brentford, even though it's a 12:15 off. Kick kickoff, sold them out within about two or three days. So Borough fans are going to be, I mean, I've got to tell you this for now. We said it a few weeks ago. Borough fans are coming down there in their droves. They're coming down to Brentford early. They've booked into pubs from nine o'clock in the morning. If you turn up at a pub at ten, you're probably going to find four, five hundred borough fans in that pub. Borough fans, they've been really friendly. Had a really great little rapport going on with them at the moment. Now they're coming down to have a party. So I'm just doing the warning for Brentford fans. On 31st of January, you need to get out of your bed early, get down the pub early and start getting yourselves ready for that game, because if we're not ready, we're going to get out sung by the Borough fans, and we can't be having that, because we hate morning games to start off, we hate lunchtime kickoffs, so we need to just get that out of our system and get ourselves in party mode, because that game could be a proper six-pointer, as we all know. And uh, Watford have also sold out their allocation as well in a couple of weeks' time, and that's uh, in, the, in the middle of February, second week of February. So we've got another two games which are going to be proper lively at Griffin Park. So you know we've got we've got a few things on the boil here.
5: Looks like we're going to be out drunk by a bar of fans as well, Bill. By the looks of that.
4: Well, you know they've they've got about a three or four hour head start because they're going to be leaving at five or six o'clock in the morning to try and get down for nine o'clock. So uh, um, you know with all due respect, I, I want to get a vibe going, but I don't think I'll be getting out of my bed at 6 o'clock in the morning to down a, a bottle of Pride, you know what I mean?
6: <laughs> if they're coming from Borough, they're not going to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning. They're going to be leaving at 2 o'clock. They're probably going have gone to bed from the night before.
4: <laughs> yes, that's right. Be like,
6: be like some of the Brentford fans in Brighton. I leave it.
4: We're going to chat about tickets and exactly why Norwich have upset a load of Brentford fans. So this week, Brentford Charlton, Norwich. Norwich. There's been a bit of uproar. Our Bees fans have been charged £35 for the Norwich game. And we've just found it as well that Leeds are charging us £34 for the game in a few weeks' time. It all kicked off a little bit on Twitter. Quite a fair few fans voiced their approval. One of them said, me mate. I ain't paying that amount of money, Norwich, for me and my boy, it's a £150 round trip. Another fan said, I only bought Norwich ticket as I'd already bought a train ticket, but I won't be doing lease due to the price. Somebody else said, it probably was the tipping point, not long after Christmas, bills to pay, two longer journeys away, that ticket price is a joke. So fans aren't happy, I mean, I know some football clubs say that's just the lie of the land, some people are going to be happy, some people don't, but I think for Brentford fans, we've been used to paying £16, 18 20 22 £24 pounds maybe for a ticket, and this has come as a bit of a surprise for us. Um, we chatted to quite a few Brentford fans to see what they thought on what Norwich and Leeds fans were charging. Let's listen to what they had to say.
2: I'm not going to Norwich, I'm not going to Leeds. sofa, are way too expensive, especially after just doing Brighton, which was almost as bad. I don't think any club is justified in isn't that much money for for anything I mean to be honest I don't think Premiership football's worth that I would have gone to Leeds because I've got friends to stay with so that cuts down the cost if it was cheaper I wouldn't think that more than 25 is reasonable given the price of other tickets
9: I don't fancy going to um, Norwich or well, basically because of the I'm mean the cost I don't I don't mind paying sort of 30 pound for an adult ticket um, what I do object to is paying a lot of money for you know, I take my boy to, uh, to to all the away get, I do object to paying sort of over sort of ten pound for a, for a kids' ticket. Not only that, it's you know it is a long way to go. Um, it's um, it's you know it's another 50, 60 quid in, in petrol or or on the train, and and you just have to work out how much it it's worth to actually go and watch a game of football. And on this occasion, Norwich, I'm you know it's working out about hundred and fifty pounds.
0: But, uh, I will be attending the
9: uh, the Norwich game. Unfortunately, coming make the Leeds one. The ticket prices are, don't get me wrong, very expensive uh, for obviously a game of football. Uh, but unfortunately, that is the uh, the world we're living in, where uh, teams can charge a bit more um, than obviously we'd like. Yes, they could they could lower prices to uh, to make it more affordable. You've only got to look at uh, sort of the uh, the way strategies abroad, the way sort of Germany works, with uh, their season ticket prices being four times the uh, the price of one Norwich game. Um, however, they don't seem to be appearing to, to do anything about it other than potentially freezing prices. Um, but I guess plus when you look at it the sense of if people are willing to pay it then, it, it's almost within the line of uh, the guidelines then so be it, to be honest with you, I don't think, uh, I don't think they're taking into account the fans uh, too much at all.
7: I am going to Norwich. That's mainly due to the fact that I bought my train ticket when in advance. I did regret it as soon as I saw the prices of the tickets. It's a bit cheeky as well that they don't offer any sort of concessions for 18 to 20 year olds. Um, Leeds, definitely, I won't be doing. 35 quid again, it's a bit of a joke. If I would, I would have considered going if it was say 20 to 25 pound. I think that's a bit reasonable. At championship level, I think it should be capped to, for away fans 25 pound. I think that's a reasonable price. But when you're hitting 30, 35 quid, it's getting a bit of a joke, really.
0: £35, especially for a team that is... One of which is still receiving parachute payments from the Premiership. £35. They're not even London clubs. The cost of living in London is
9: is so much more than than anywhere else. But yet they still think they can charge
0: that type of figure.
9: I'm not going to Norwich or Leeds because the tickets are too expensive. Um... I would be happy to pay something in the region of 25 to 28 pounds for tickets, but not the not the figures that they're asking for.
0: So I'm uh, not going to the Norwich game. I think it's uh, I think 35 pounds is is a bit beyond the pale, really. There's a line that's got to be drawn. Um, I mean, there's a business case in this. I think you're you're offering lots of clubs are offering similar products. I don't think the product of that is Norwich Football Club is is any better than than what. Brentford offer, or you know, any particular club in the league. If you know, for whatever reason, you know, Real Madrid were in this league, I could understand the, foot- the kind of football that they play and the, the footballers you get to watch. I could understand them charging 30, 35 pounds a ticket. But Real Madrid aren't in this league. Norwich have only scored forty-nine goals all season. I mean, we're just behind them on forty-two. Bournemouth have scored fifty-seven. They score more goals than everyone else. They don't charge partic- a lot more. So I don't think that's. That's uh, you know, it's not really an issue. I think it's uh, you'll look at how to run a business. The end product, who's who's gonna, who's, who's who ends up paying for this? Is is the spectators? The clubs will uh, damage their reputation in the long we term. We need to get towards a system where it's either either agreements between two clu- each club in the league. So we Brentford agreed to pay uh, charge away fans twenty five pounds. Norwich do the same. Uh, if you know if clubs will not agree on that, we'll agree to charge. Fans £30 pounds, and then Brentford fans will pay £30 pounds when they go there. That's one way of doing it. Or having sets pay structures. So all League Two away tickets £15, pounds. League One
10: £18, pounds. Championship £25. Pounds. I mean, Footy Leeds and Norwich game, I, I, mean, I probably would have considered going. Um, you know, uh, admittedly, I went to Brighton last week, it was £30 to get in and I paid that. There was an appeal there because it was a new ground for me. I've been to Norwich, I've been to Leeds. No, really, it would have taken a fair ticket price to draw me in. Oh it's to Huddersfield away in December, they charged ten pounds to get there. If Huddersfield charged £30, there was no way I would have gone. So the ticket price really, especially at this point in the year, late January for Norwich, it's a hard sell to get someone to sort of travel at what is typically a difficult month financially. Um, you know, they need to rope people in the ticket prices. They so charge fairly, I reckon I would have gone. You know, what the fans don't realise is that is is their part in this whole theatre of football, um, and the clubs seem to neglect the value of the fans as well by charging these ticket prices. I mean, for me, um, the whole package has it sold around the world. This whole package, up thing that's sold um, is sold as, a, as, as as a full stadium full of atmosphere. Um, if the fans stop going because it's too much, that is cheap and straight away. The fans have that power. We can put our foot down and stop, um, uh, you know, and stop these prices being charged. I mean, what do we want? A lucid atmosphere every week like we get at Chelsea. And I heard just last week um, on the radio there was Chelsea fans. One literally crying. He was in tears on the radio, saying that the atmosphere in club was 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 no more. It was finished. And the whole reason for this is because the elderly fans have been priced out and they've sold themselves out to the corporate. Uh, the corporate market. I'm sure it's not very good for them, but it's killed the atmosphere in their club. So long term, you know, do we want that to happen to our game? No, we don't. I mean, what's a fair price? I mean, there seems to be a bit of a consensus around that at the moment, saying if you know, this twenty is plenty um, campaign, you know it rhymes very nicely. That helps, uh, but you know I think twenty pounds is, is a fair price, especially for away fans. I mean, it, it grates you a little bit when Leeds, in particular, are I think their maximum prices I've heard it's twenty four pound, or at least that is a ticket price. They're charging the away fans thirty four pound. The away fans thirty four. I mean, yeah, that's, that's that's exploiting the away fan. I don't know if they think West London's an affluent area or whatnot, but it, it, it isn't fair when you when you factor in travel as well. There's got to be limits, and I think. Uh, 20 pound probably is that and especially when you factor in the um, the television money and and how that especially for Norwich maybe getting parachute payments still i believe and Leeds have had their money in their time and, and they blew it for different reasons but the 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 fraction of the gate money compared to the away ticket price it is such that these clubs can charge that lesser amount to 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 help the away fan and if all the clubs do it Everyone's benefiting from it. Everyone's fans are gaining. It's not just one club making a sacrifice.
4: We also chatted to Mark Devlin, the Brentford CEO, and he gave us <coughs> his thoughts on us being charged £35 for a match ticket for Norwich. So thanks for taking your time out to talk to us today, Mark. Um, as you're probably aware, there's a bit of a furore over the prices charged by both Norwich and Leeds United for our forthcoming matches with them. Norwich are charging me 35 quid, and Leeds are charging 34. I've got to ask you a
9: question, Mark. Do you think that this price is too much? Uh, personally, I think uh, more than 30 quid for a Championship football is is too much. And I think if um, Pricing is a, is a bit of a sensitive one across football, but if we're not careful, we'll overprice people and we'll end up playing to, to half-empty stadiums, and uh, some clubs are already suffering from that. But uh, Leeds and Norwich obviously have their business models, they've got their revenue models, they've got their budgets, but um, on a personal basis, I think it's, uh, it's too much money for uh, for championship football.
11: Does Brentford
4: sometimes get frustrated by the fact that, you know, look at our club, We've got Borough coming down. They sold out their allocation in a couple of days. You know, every single club practically has come down there and they've sold out their allocation. You know, if we wanted to, we're charging these clubs 23 24 £25. Pounds.
9: If we wanted to, you know, we could have charged them more. I think i think it's uh, it's a fair point billy i mean it's um the rules at the moment mean that we have to charge uh for the equal uh for the equal facilities offered to home fans so uh when we put the visitors in brook road we charge them exactly the same prices as we would charge up in the ealing road terrace and the uh, the seats in brook road are based on the uh seat prices in new road so it's the cheaper of the of the seat prices that we have if i'm honest with you you're right i mean it's um with the exception of, uh, well, Rotherham particularly, but probably only one or two other clubs that um, didn't sell out and didn't sell out, as you say, within a week of going on sale. Uh, and we could charge a lot more money, but the way the rules stand at the moment is if we put the price up for away fans up, then we would need to put the prices up in Ealing Road and, uh, and, in, and in New Road, and we don't particularly want to penalise our own fans. So it is something that I'm going to talk to the Football League about to see if they can look into these rules and regs. Uh, as I say, Norwich and Leeds, I've no doubt um, they've got uh, comparable facilities at, at 35 and 34 quid along the side rather than behind the goals. Um, and they will say that they're, they're, they're complying with rules, which I'm sure they are. Uh, but I would I would say that the rules are, are probably wrong. Uh, what really frustrates me, and I feel the frustration from fans, Billy, is that... Um, some of our own fans say well you know if, if they're charging us that why, why, why can't we charge them that when we uh, when when there are visitors uh two wrongs probably don't make a right but i've I come back to the rules and regs they they cover themselves and they probably comply with the Football League pricing regulations, which are there to try and protect the fleecing of away fans, <laughs> which is a, I know it might find it uh, laughable, but um, it allows us to not suddenly charge you know, a perceived big team a lot of money um, just because they're down there. We do have to charge at the same price as, uh, as, as home fans. So um, that, that's the reason why we can't do that at the moment, but that's not to say we can't speak to the Football League and say that there are these anomalies. Um, and we, uh, we, we ought to have another look at the whole, uh, at the whole pricing uh, rules and <laughs> see if they could be a little bit fairer uh, or at least make uh, clubs understand, you know, that they need to do something about them. Because, you know, come back to your earlier point, uh, anything north of 30 quid, in my opinion, is, is far too much.
4: And, I mean, we don't believe in this tit-for-tat um, <coughs> scenario just because... Norwich charged us 35, we should charge them 35. In fact, the fact that we charged them 23 actually shows that we have, you know, we've got a different ethos than what they may have. As you say, they may have a different model. They've got, you know, there's the Away Fans Matter campaign, which is happening at the moment now as well, which is very much focusing on Away fans, because obviously when Away fans travel... Not do they only have to pay for match tickets they've got to pay for, you know, their travel, they've got to pay for food and drink, you know, as as one fan that, you know, that tweeted us said that, you know, I can't afford to go to Norwich because for me and my son, it's going to cost me £150, so he's made the decision not to go. Um, also, it's interesting. I mean, you must have a look around Brighton, because obviously Brighton have made it much more and tried to make it more amenable for away fans. So they've got the posters in the back, they had the Brentford badges. You know, they've tried to say that their pricing reflects the fact that you also can get transport free to the ground. So I'm just wondering that you know, different clubs do different things to actually kind of accommodate away fans. And uh, you've mentioned obviously this pricing issue, but what, what else do you think can be
9: done to sort of to accommodate away fans? Well I do think that, um, that Brighton, I think Cardiff have tried it as well, I th- my understanding down at Brighton was that people behind the um, the kiosk stand they were all wearing Brighton shirts, uh, Brighton shirts Br- Br- Brentford shirts because they'd asked us about it and I think Cardiff might have trialled this scheme and they believe that it uh, anything that makes visiting fans feel a little bit more wanted, a little bit more um, uh, in Brighton's case, what they said to me was if fans are looking at going to away games and this one and this one are very expensive, when they see that uh, if they come to our place there might be a local beer on sale, uh, the colour scheme is all going to reflect the visiting team and so forth, they might be inclined to not go to certain away games and make sure they come to Brighton. And I think it's um, we, we're, it's certainly something we're trying to uh, be a bit more welcoming even at, at, at Griffin Park because of the nature of the stadium. We're trying just to, we're not we're, we can't. Go to the length that Brighton had, but I think we can, as football clubs, show our appreciation of visiting fans. Um, quite often, and it depends on the club, but quite often visiting fans can be the most difficult to manage, um, whether it's getting them into the ground, whether it is uh, uh, the. Um behavior towards kiosk staff or stewards quite often because they're away from home they sort of just feel it's almost like well we can take a few liberties that's not all clubs and that's not all fans but that has generally been the thought process in previous years and there's this new culture amongst some clubs and we're the same we're trying to introduce it as well in that if you're a bit more welcoming uh, try and value uh, visiting fan support in the same way that you value uh, home fans that it, uh, it changes the behaviors and, and so forth so um, there is a there is a move, uh, again, from a personal perspective, my focus is on trying to, trying to build the, uh, the home fan base, but that doesn't mean that we have to exclude visitors, because, if, you know, we go back to Maggie Thatcher's days and we try and ban away fans, you get, the atmosphere is totally different when there are no visiting fans, it just, the whole experience is different, and as a football fan myself, I'd hate, uh, I'd hate that you know clubs even thought about that on health and safety grounds because you know having a, a couple of thousand or whatever it is visiting fans there all together they all tend to sing together they create a lot of noise in it and it's um, it's a, a good way of challenging the home support to, uh, to up their game as well and take them on from a vocal point of view interesting
4: little exchange we had with the norwich fans some norwich fans obviously used to playing the higher prices didn't understand what the Brentford fans were complaining about. They were saying it's supply and demand, the price is what it is, and if you don't like it, you don't have to turn up. Um, Also, some say it's inevitable as teams get more successful that the prices will rise. Now, I want to sort of this supply and demand thing, I'm going to sort of quote two examples here. Recently, we had the situation where Brentford played Chelsea in the FA Cup. That was a massive high demand game. We had people going around the blocks queuing up in the snow for tickets that time. Brentford sat down there and made a decision. They could have sold those tickets for £30, £35 pounds starting off because there was such high demand for that. But you made a decision to charge £25, pounds, I think up to up maybe two or three quid, up to £25 pounds for a particular reason. Second example is also I, I was very lucky enough to get a ticket for the AFC Wimbledon versus Liverpool game recently. Those tickets were like gold dust, OK? That stadium only holds about 4500 You could have sold tickets for 50 quid and they would have gone in that game. AFC Wimbledon decided to keep tickets at £16 pounds for a particular reason. I'm just wondering, how do you balance up this kind of price-to-charge thing? Because there's a supply-and-demand thing there. It's a huge demand, but you decided to to, to, to to price it at a particular point from actually balancing up the, the ethos again, as you talk about, about the fans. It's
9: a, it is a tough balancing act because... Um, for clubs that, uh, and, and Wimbledon would have been one of those ones. As you say, I'm sure Wimbledon could have doubled the prices, uh, and that cash injection would have really helped them. Whether it was to bring in players, whether it was to put it into the infrastructure, whether it was to help them find a new home, God, God only knows what they would have done. But they they weighed up the fact that they were on TV, they were getting some live TV money, and that came into play with us when we played Chelsea. We didn't know that we were going to get a draw and get a second TV live TV game out of it, but we did know we were on TV. It did attract a fairly substantial. TV. TV fee, uh, and it allowed us to um, uh, charge a little bit extra uh, because we felt there was an opportunity to charge a little bit extra, but without without going over the top. I mean, we did have a, we did initially think that we would just keep the prices the same, but we just felt it was an opportunity to charge a little bit more. Chelsea fans were obviously going to. Um, come in their numbers and fill the away end and we, we just felt it was a, a chance to just increase our revenue and take, take an opportunity to bring some money in into a business which generally loses money and is obviously, um, is uh, propped up is the wrong expression, but is uh, is built on um, Matthew Benham's continued uh, annual investment into the club, which we agree with Matthew every year. And my job is to try and make sure that the budget uh, that adheres to that, and that we never have to go back to Matthew for any more money than uh, we've agreed with him at the start of the year that he would put into the club. And that's how we run the uh, we run the place, because obviously we can't make much money out of Griffin Park on non-match day. So it, it, it uh, hence the reason for Lionel Road, obviously. So it is a tough a tough uh, balancing act, uh, uh, Billy. But from our perspective, not only uh, we still got a job to go to fill Griffin Park. I mean, you know, a big challenge for us is to is to sell home tickets quicker than we currently do because. Um, uh, when tickets are on general sale, Middlesbrough, for instance, they sold out very quickly, and we know for a fact now that we get, we're getting dozens of calls every day from Middlesbrough fans, and if they could, they'd be buying in home areas. But we obviously don't want to take that opportunity. We want home supporters to um, to, to, to buy tickets. We want to encourage more people to come and watch Brentford, and the challenge for us is working with the fan base to, to get them to, uh, to book their tickets earlier so that there is absolutely no chance of visiting fans being able to buy tickets in home areas areas. And uh, getting a, the right pricing level for that as, as, as a growing club is, is, a, is a key component, and I think we're we're not too far off it. But it's a reason why our family prices and our kids prices are so are so good, I believe, because our prices are generally ones that clubs offer as a special offer, whereas they're generally available throughout the whole season at Griffin Park. And because that's a key area that we're looking to grow into, trying to get more kids, more families along to support uh, Brentford. Maybe they're ones that have supported some of the other teams in the local areas they either can't afford or can't get tickets and we want to make sure that we can capture their their hearts and minds now so we do need to get monies in we have got budgets to adhere to but i'm looking at trying to fill griffin park and then longer term how how is it we can uh, we can ensure that we get at least 15 16 000 bees fans into uh, to the new stadium because that's what we're going to need and we're a long way from getting that on a regular basis at the moment although we are growing so mark you explained to us that you are going to
4: meet the Football League because you need to bring up a few of these, uh, th- these issues that you've got, um, pricing issues. When you go to the Football League, ideally... What result would you like to get out of them? You talked about reciprocal pricing. You talked about actually getting the pricing down for other clubs. But ideally, what's the result that you want?
9: Okay, so, that, so the football league have two or three meetings a year, and I will bring it up as, a, as an AOB point at, uh, at the meeting next month. And I'll also do a bit of work behind the scenes with some of the members of uh, the football league uh, executive team um, before that, and get a gauge from them on the right way to go about this. For me, I'd like us to, I'd like the rules to be relaxed so that clubs can um uh, can be uh, so we're not all having to adhere to uh charging the same area uh, charging the same sort of prices as you would for home fans. But there obviously has to be a rule in place that stops us from taking the mickey out of visiting fans because it will rebound on our own travelling supporters as well if we're not careful. But it's just the relaxation of the rules that mean that if you want to, do, uh, if you want to offer lower prices, if you want to um, uh, offer promotions uh, to home fans, that uh, we, can, we have a bit more flexibility in doing that and that the rules rules can, can, they're a bit rigid at the moment uh, in terms of uh, uh, the fairness fairness, uh, uh, of of how visiting fans uh, are priced and I'd like to see some sort of relaxation and some sort of conversation and agreement between clubs that they won't, Leeds for instance didn't decide until just a few days ago what category we were going to be Now we made our minds up right at the start of the season about categories. With a crystal ball, we might have made Middlesbrough a Category A game because both teams are up the top. I'm sure Middlesbrough fans would have still paid another two or three quid to come and watch their team on uh, on Saturday week. But uh, uh, but that also would have affected home fans as well. Our own fans would have had to pay more to come in. But we stuck to that decision. Norwich, funny enough, because it was a Tuesday night, we made that a decision to be a Category B game. Norwich probably on a Saturday would have been a Category A game. So just what I'm hoping for, Billy, in a, in a nutshell, is that we um, we get a degree of flexibility uh, to be fairer to visiting fans, and that we can um, promote our, promote tickets. And prices in a, in a different way than the, the rigid rules currently allow us to. And just quickly, categorisation, because um, a lot of fans don't know, but what is the pricing
4: levels and categorisation for Brentford? Is it between twenty-three and twenty-five quid, or something like that?
9: What for, for home fans?
4: Uh, yeah, well, for well, for away fans.
9: For away fans, yes. Yeah. So the, the away fans will pay um, exactly. Uh, for instance, Category A games, um, visiting fans will pay. Uh, twenty six pounds in advance to sit because that 's the same as the new road price and they 'll pay twenty five pounds to stand and uh, for a category b game they will pay twenty four pounds to sit and twenty three pounds to stand and that price is increased uh, in the, at the same time as it 's increased to home fans in advance of uh, of match day so there are this year there will have been one, two, three, four, five something like seven or eight category b games. Uh, which, as I say, include Norwich and Middlesbrough and the ones still to come are Blackpool and Huddersfield so you know those fans Huddersfield for instance I believe they did a special price for when we went up to Huddersfield and it was a very fair price and I think they we took uh, the best part of 700 up there uh, a few weeks before Christmas I certainly think there's probably 150, 200 more fans that would have been able to go at that time of the year had Huddersfield charged their normal prices so Huddersfield took a common sense approach to things um, not all clubs see it that way um, Norwich there is a part of me it comes back to your earlier point, Billy. Uh, they've been in the Premier League. They've paid higher prices. Um, their fans are used to paying higher prices. Maybe, uh, but they, maybe they've got a bit blasé about it over the years. But it's uh, it, it's different for uh, for Brentford supporters, and um, they should try and understand that we haven't all operated at that level recently. So their uh, their experiences, their recent experiences of what they've had to play in the Premier League, they probably think they're paying uh, cheap ticket prices in the Championship when you look at some of the pricing in the Premier League. So um, maybe that's the, that affects their thought process. Leeds is a, is a different kettle of fish. I'm not quite sure who's even in charge up at Leeds making these decisions, and I've never known a club to leave it so late to uh, inform us of the category of game, our prices, and also to send us the tickets. But I think that's just a, a, an issue with their ownership at the moment.
4: OK, Mark, and finally, I mean, you've said that you're going to the Football League and you're going to talk to them, but I'm wondering, is there anything the fans could do as well to just, you know, to, to help this issue?
9: Well, I think the fans through the FSF will continue to, uh, you know, the, the, the 20s Plenty campaign. There's plenty of, uh, it's fair to say that clubs are very aware of, of fans' opinions on various things, whether it's ticket prices, whether it's safe standing, uh, whether it's any other issues, burning issues that uh, um, that fans are concerned about. And I think just continuing to... Um, to lobby the football league and to lobby their own clubs with their concerns. Keep it concise. Keep it constructive. Try to take the emotion out of it, and uh, you know, being too frank about your observations about some of the other clubs. But I, I think the point is well made. You know, about the guy who just couldn't afford to go to Norwich because it was going to cost him and his son 150 quid uh, when you add in you know fuel costs and everything else. I mean, it is 150 pounds to go and uh, to go and watch a, a football game. You know, total costs is. Uh, we we are just going to price people out. And I think the the Football League are keen to see more and more people come into Football League matches and and things like that. Uh, Things like fans continue to lobby the Football League as well as their own club. Um, uh, And as I say, just keep it positive, keep it concise, keep it constructive, uh, will help. All right, Mark, thanks very much for attending to us today. No problem at all, Billy. You're welcome. Okay. take care.
4: So the question I have boys, I'm, I'm in the studio here with Michael Brugskill from the FSF and also Peter Lamour from Norwich. He's a Norwich City fan. He's with us, me, Laney and Nick. Is this the downside of success,
12: Michael?
13: Well, obviously as you go through the leagues you do tend to see higher prices um, and I think it can particularly be a shock maybe as you go from League One to the Championship, where there are some clubs, like Leeds United, obviously a very good example, and Norwich City, who do charge what would be perceived as Premier League prices still. Um, so I suppose that can be a, a shock. Um, these clubs often perceive themselves as Premier League clubs too, you know, and all but name. Um, and and you do at Leeds get... I mean, the other week I was talking to a Wigan fan and he was arranging a boycott because the tickets he was going to buy I think was something like 36, 39 pound you know so it's very expensive
4: okay listen i we've just been going through a load of prices you know Premier I mean Championship prices that you know Brentford fans have paid for this season okay Norwich 35 pounds as we know we we charge a Brentford charge them 23 pounds they've charging us 35 pounds Leeds United 34 pounds Charlton in a few weeks time 24 pounds and kids are fiver Rotherham 23 pounds Borough, £31. Pounds, Wolves, £27. Pounds, Wigan, £15. Pounds, and that was quite interesting because £15 pounds they, they charged us. And Brentford, even though it's quite away and quite expensive on the train, we took 1,500 fans up to Wigan. Bolton, £23. Pounds, we took about six or 700 up there. Watford, £26. Pounds, um for us, £22. Pounds. So I mean we see the price differences there, but the ones that obviously stick out are things like Borough 31. We did not talk about Brighton last week, which is 30 what, 30 pounds as well. But then Brighton turned around and said, well for 30 pounds you also get your free train travel thrown in, which I think is you know sort of that's quite nice. But to be fair, they are out you know they're out they're out they're out, they're out of town Brighton, whereas it seems like Norwich aren't. So you know, do we have to pay extra for the fact that they've actually put their stadium out of town? Borough 31, Leeds 34, Norwich 35, Ipswich 39. We've heard could be 39, 38, 37, 36. I mean, this this isn't right. You you heard Mark Devlin say that he thought any price over 30 pounds in the Championship was too much. Don't you think so, lady? Yeah,
5: I I I think Devlin's absolutely spot on with this. Um, you know, it, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to say that, but you know, it, I, I think it's refreshing that someone who's in charge of a football club has got, got the got balls to, to to say that, um, and ho- hopefully he, he, he does. You know, raise it at the football league, and um, there's some agreement there. Thirty quid is at the highest end so far, um, and we, we're we kind of balking at that, and it, it, it kind of I guess you forget it quite quickly if you win. Um, but looking forward, you know, I, 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 my heart goes out to the, the Brentford fan that's going to miss a game because him, he, he and his son can't afford both to go. And I, I take my son to as many away games as I can. I think it's my obligation as a as a, as a diehard fan to to pass the baton down through the generations, and, it, and it's making it more and more difficult. And I'm going to have to, you know, if, unless he gets a job and he can pay his way that I'm going to have to start deciding when when I can afford to take him and Norwich really is is probably the last time I can afford to take him for a little while I'd say and that's I that that that's I think it's a shame we're missing out on a day out as a, as a as a as a sort of a son and father because these are the kind of days that you money just can't buy. These are the days that you will always remember when I'm you know, when I'm gone. Get your violin out, Nick. Um, you know it, these are the days that kind of bond you with your dad and your club and your identity. And this is why we're all football fans. And I, I just can't afford. To, I don't think I can afford to take him to Leeds. Um, and you know I'm not I'm not skint by by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm I, there's a there's a line, and that that's way beyond the line, in Ipswich, you know, hang your head in shame to be honest. Look,
4: I've got to look at this. A club like Norwich, okay, they've got parachute payments of sixty million pounds over four years. They've got gates of 27,000, which they keep boasting about, oh, we're full on every week. So they've got 27,000 people coming through their gates, okay? So to me, there's one or two things. They've either got silly outgoings, or they believe in a strategy of charging wherever they can, or, and just they just get away with it, and it works. We've got Pete here. He's a Norwich fan who's been going for years and years and years. Has it always been like that, Pete? And, and are you fans? Because it seems to me a lot of the Norwich fans have just resigned to playing higher prices. Um.
12: I think being a Norwich fan, you, you, there's nothing else to do in the area. You, you're going to go and watch Norwich, regardless. There's, there's no choice. Um, the nearest club is Ipswich, which is 40 miles away. No one around here likes Ipswich. We don't go to Ipswich. Peterborough is the other, the other side. It's too far. Um, if you're from Norfolk or, or, or North Suffolk, you'll go and watch Norwich. So they've got a captive audience. They know that. They realise that. They charge what they like. Um, it's not always been expensive. It got really expensive in the Premiership. Um, I think since then, since we've come down to the championship, they've reduced prices slightly but not a lot. They've obviously got a lot of outgoings, we've got expensive players, um, but I think basically it, it's it's the fact that there's very little else to do in the area, if you like football, you're going to watch Norwich and they've got a captive audience and that's what they do, they charge what they like and, and people go unfortunately. there's uh, We've got 22,000 season ticket holders, um, as you said earlier Billy, there's we're sold out most weeks, well, certainly ninety-five percent, is sell out. Um, if we don't sell the away tickets, the home tickets, the home fans buy them. They seem to realise this, and they seem to charge what they like and uh, get away with it. And uh, that's pretty much how it is.
4: So, but I've got to ask. I mean, I've, I've, I've outlined the fact that the parachute payments, your gates, and with all due respect, you know, you, you guys, you're not even in the playoff place at the moment. It might change in the next few weeks, but yeah. you know, you're, you're there or thereabouts. So you're not doing any better than your Bournemouths or your Brentford's or these other teams. So, what makes you so special that you could charge more money?
12: Um, I, I think, I mean, if you look at the stadium, the stadium is a great stadium. It's a great place to go and watch football. Um, it's The ground is not far from the city centre. It's a great away day. And I think that all plays on the fact that they charge what they like. Um, I think, personally, it's a complete rip-off. But the prices are, are certainly probably £10 too high. As, as you say, bought, um Brentford this Saturday is, is £35. It's the same for home fans. I'm a, a thing called a priority member where we pay £25 a year, become a priority member. We get £2 off the ticket, so £1. 33 instead of £35. Um, it's far too high. They, they've categorised it. They've classed Brentford as a, as a category A game, which with all due respect to Brentford, um, I know you're doing very well, but category A for Brentford does seem an awful lot. Um, early part of the season we played Leeds United, and uh, it was a Tuesday evening game, and it was £40. Um, so they do, they, they completely luckily utterly rip us off.
5: I reckon they should charge you 50 quid for watching us, we're that good.
12: <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Brentford are doing really well. I, I went to Brentford early in the season, and you know, we all love you won 3-0. You, you played cracking that night, and you've done really well since. I so keep an eye on your results, and you're doing really well. Um, but I still think £35 for Brentford is, is, is extortionate. As, as same as you do, because yeah, I think the other important thing is that uh,
6: Norwich have got. Um, it's it's a long way. It's quite an expensive train journey even from London. Over the next two months, I think Brent for the last London team that will be able to get to to Norwich without having to catch a bus um, for the Ipswich game. It would be particularly ridiculous because there's no direct rail service from from London to Ipswich when we play them. So not only are we faced with paying extortionate rail prices, extortionate ticket prices, but we'll also be travelling half the way to Ipswich by bus. I was lucky for the Norwich game. I, you know, the the minute we got knocked out the cup that evening to drown my sorrows, I went on the National Rail site and found that actually you get a £5 ticket off to, to Norwich for Saturday's game so, so put that one up and, and put it round on the circles and lots of Brentford fans came in but I feel sorry for the Norwich supporters because I know there are a lot of London Canary fans who travel up on a fortnightly basis it's going to take them forever to get up to see their home team playing and they're paying £32 was it that Pete was saying? £3. Right, so £3. football is £3. just becoming
12: rickets yeah. Yeah. Th- £33 if they're priority members, £2 off but yeah, it's the same thing, I mean, where I drink, there's, there's London Canaries in there, and they're always mad about prices, it's 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 the same everyone, we're sick of paying those prices, but if you want to see the team, they don't seem to, to, to waver, that's the price, and I think it's a fact that it's nearly full all the while, they don't seem to, uh, too keen to, to lower the price for that reason. Um, seems to be if you don't want to go, someone else will take the place. Uh, season tickets, 22,000, there's, there's a list to be a season ticket holder. Um, so they seem to have the monopoly, I'm afraid, and that's what they charge with the line.
4: Um, Peter, you you talked about um, the pricing issues and how much you paid at different places. Michael, reciprocal pricing, this is one of the campaigns that the FSF has been talking about quite a lot, and they're making a bit of headway on this as well, aren't you?
13: Yeah, that's right. The FSF, um, the Football Supporters Federation, we've for quite a while now argued for what's called, we call it 20s plenty for away tickets, and the central idea is that um, as a, I'm a Sunderland fan. Um, if I go to Newcastle, I'll get a twenty quid ticket. In return, any Newcastle fans coming to Sunderland, they will get a twenty quid ticket. And it's to reward the loyalty of the way supporter, <clears throat> to acknowledge the the input that they have into the game, both from a the atmosphere point of view, um, but also, I mean, in a Premier League context, also what they do for the TV cameras, and obviously clubs um, derive vast amount of revenue from TV so we are fans are important for that And this the campaign the FSFS has 20s plenty has actually had some successes we there's a number of clubs now um, taking it on board and they have done a lot of reciprocal deals and we totted up that during 2013-14 season and we saved that idea 20s plenty saved fans 342,000 pounds and it was it was around mm-hmm. about um I think it was thirty odd thousand fans benefited from it. So it has had some success in the Premier League context. Now I think the challenge is um is getting beyond getting it beyond that, you know, and getting it into the football league as well and making sure that those clubs take it up. Now there's no reason football clubs in the football league can't. I know Barnsley and Derby have done a reciprocal deal. But obviously what we hear from a lot of football league clubs is them saying, and it's a fair point, that they don't have the the media rights, the media revenue that the Premier League can, that the Premier League clubs get, so that they struggle maybe, they would say they struggle to subsidise the, the tickets in the same way however, I mean I, I know um, Billy's involved with the FSF and we want to really kick on and find ways in the Football League to to encourage clubs to do more reciprocal deals or maybe put ceilings on deals, it's interesting to hear that your is talking about the 30 quid max even in itself, that he's willing to talk about that and broach that subject—that's progress, you know. Maybe that's a start. Maybe that's a negotiation point. Maybe he says thirty quid. Maybe we say twenty quid. Maybe we we'll meet in the middle, and maybe twenty-five quid is a is a price that people can live with. And um, but there's also other ways as well. I'm I'm particularly interested. In football league clubs do these things called local promos, don't they? Where four times per season, it's as a Clubs will sell cheap tickets to their home fans. Now, if you've got a season ticket, you might not even notice, but they do do it. And um, quite often, we hear from people complaining who go to away games because they miss out on the local promos. They're an away fan, going travelling away from home, and the football league club that they're going to hasn't is actually charging them more than home fans. Considerably more, which is unfair. So, as a starting point, at the very least, we think Football League clubs can and should afford to pass on these local promotion deals to away fans. That would instantly um, save tens of thousands of away fans hundreds of thousands of pounds. But obviously, in the long run, we'd also like to see Football League clubs doing more reciprocal deals like we have seen in the Premier League.
4: And I mean, that's probably pointing towards something like the scheme that we do once a year, which is the pay-as-you-can scheme, where we last year it was pay a pound or two or three years ago, you pay a pound to get into Brentford or more if you wanted to. Only the home fans could do it, but the away fans were charged full price, so I think last season it was Stevenage, this year it was Rotherham, Stevenage probably bought down about 300 fans last year, Rotherham bought down 450 fans, yeah. maybe there's an argument that if they were going to get charged, you know, whatever they wanted to, Rotherham might have bought down 900 or 1,000
13: fans this, this year. And and just one more point on that, I think that it's almost like a a mindset that clubs have got, you know, that oh, we, we need a cater for home fans, yeah, but away fans don't matter, you know, they're not ours, you know. That's the away club's problem. But actually, if you think about it, the most loyal away fans go to away games time and time again. And there's certain clubs that I've been to that I've I've deliberately went back to again and again because I had a great away day there, you know, and there's other ones that I I haven't been to so much, you know. I can't make every away game, so I have to to be a bit picky in that sense. So I think home clubs can also think of away fans as fans who come back time and again. It might only be once a season, but over the years that builds up, you know. And I think... If, as a home fan, I think it would be good if home fans said to their clubs, look, maybe you should do these deals for away fans as well. And if you do it for that club's away fans, can you not
5: talk to that club and get them to do it for us in return? I think, I think what we're witnessing as well is just this kind of clash of, um, clash of cultures and clash of uh, CEOs and um, MDs and what their brief is. For some clubs, it's about growing their fan base. For others is about completely maxing out the, the the biggest revenue that you possibly can out of that fan base, and that's ramping up prices of everything until people squeak, and then at that point you reassess. Um, you know, at uh, uh, Brentford, I guess, we're in a different growth model to to, to Norwich, um, but I, I, it can never it can never be right where you just charge. The most you can until people can't afford it anymore, and at that point you then reevaluate um you know you, you just got to go back to how you know to what these clubs are all about and it's, it is about the community you know if they've got a community scheme which all clubs have, there's a commitment to growth and um, uh, and, 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 and 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 this kind of harmony and and this kind of like cooperative between the the, the place where the club is and the town where the club is. And, and and its heritage and it, you're pricing great swathes of people out of it yeah the stadiums might be full but there's it it it, it sticks in your throat is it's, it's a really unethical way of uh of, of going forward it's not about getting the most you can per ticket it's it's about charging what's right and 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 creating some sort of sense of unity not like you know you, you kind of begrudge it you, you shouldn't you shouldn't feel that way
4: it's interesting you say that, Dave, because, uh, I mean, as, as, as uh, Michael says, yes, I'm involved in the SFSF, and I actually went into a meeting with uh, Mr. Scudamore at the Premier League at the beginning of the year. And, and one thing that he did do, you know, it was, a, it was a good two-way conversation there, but one thing he did point out, he said, look, you keep on saying that you want prices lowered, but, you know, why should we do this? Because our stadiums are 99% full in the Premier League, that is. So he said that in one breath, but on the other breath, he said, but, we're not particularly happy with the crowds that we've got. You know, he didn't say that in other words, but he's saying the quality wasn't as good as he liked because the atmosphere was a bit staid. So what they're doing is that they're getting people to pay 50, 60, 70 pounds, all these high prices, and you've got a vibe that kind of wasn't there because you're excluding large parts of society. So in a way, he was sort of pointing towards saying, look, how could you think we can actually pull in these other parts of society that we that we kind of excluded from football, how can we get them involved in football again? So it's almost like they're wanting their cake and eat it too. And like I said, talking to Mr. Bob earlier, he seemed to understand the balance between actually getting the money in and also still keeping that, that equilibrium within you know, the community, within the, the, the fan base, bringing the right types of crowds into it and building it in the right way.
5: I see, but that's, because, that's because the people running our games aren't visionaries. They they are just commercial, money driven monsters that could not see this as gonna happen. You know, it it doesn't take it doesn't take a genius to work out that if you put price, if prices in the premiership are seventy quid, sixty quid per ticket, pe- working class men and women can't afford it. So all you're going to get is the prawn sandwich brigade. And then if you don't want the prawn sandwich brigade because they don't sing, you shouldn't have raised the prices in the first place. So the people to blame are are the people in charge. And they won't ever admit that though. That's the problem. I think there's somebody else
6: who you can have a go at as well, which is the TV companies. I mean, I know that the Football League television deep deal is about to be renegotiated, but it strikes me, anybody who watched the Preston, I can't remember who they were playing, game last week on a Friday night, there was nobody in that Oregon. stadium. Oregon. Yeah, that's right. So Friday night, expecting Orion fans to travel up from London. There was nobody in that stadium at all. The, the atmosphere was dull and flat. I only watched 10 minutes of the game myself, but... You thought the TV company must have been wanting to pipe in like they do at Wigan, a drummer to create some atmosphere. Um, If if the TV companies were to turn around to the to the clubs and say, "Look, we're worried about the size of the about the atmosphere that's being created. We can't hear any singing taking place. Your product doesn't look very good." You look at the clips on the Football League show on a Saturday night. Most Championship clubs playing in those big stadiums. Norwich and Brentford accepted, uh, you'll see acres of wide open space of, of seating with nobody in it at all. It's not sending out a very good message about what the product is. And I reckon the, um, the television companies themselves might come along and say, look, you know, we're prepared to pay you X millions of pounds for this product to the clubs, but you've got to help us out by providing an audience that creates some atmosphere, or am I being idealistic about that?
4: Well, again, I mean, the, the principle, yes, it's, it, you are correct. And obviously, TV companies pay, you know, they pay, was it, £5 billion last time because they're expected to get something. Obviously, they see value in the game, not only in the players and the beautiful game and the stadia, but also in the atmosphere that's bought. And the ironic thing about it is that it's the fans that create the atmosphere. At one moment, you know, football, television companies, they all talk about, say, we love, we love the fans, they're so great, they create a great atmosphere. What we do is that we create the atmosphere, and it's almost like us creating more atmosphere puts more money into the game <laughs> than they price us out the game. So it's almost like we're sort of creating the monster ourselves in a strange kind of way from being who we are. And I think the thing that flabbergasted me when I went into that meeting in the Premier League, and maybe just shows me that I don't understand the way that these things work, is that when the money came in from the top, and all of a sudden somebody comes in and say, "Look, here's five billion pounds." That money isn 't sort of sort of siphoned off to a certain extent to say right, out of this five billion we 're going to put x amount of money into the fans, this amount of money into grassroots, this amount of money here, this amount of money there, then the clubs get the rest now apparently what they do pretty much is they they pretty much almost split it twenty two ways or whatever it is in the Premier League, and everyone gets an equal amount and that really I, I thought how is that going to be helping the game because no one 's going to one, one of these clubs is going to turn around and say actually we need to feed this money back in to actually kind of to keep this game alive to keep it going
5: to be a fly on the wall in that would just be the most stunning experience bill when that money was divvied up when 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 those chips were pushed each way not one person i guarantee in that room said anything about fans or atmosphere or absolutely anything to do with the heart and soul I, i almost guarantee it
13: I think it's it's worth referencing as well. I know there's a lot of talk about the Premier League deal here, and it's worth picking the foot slightly, because like Nick said, and this is about a Premier League context and um, not necessarily football league. But like Nick said, the the TV companies pay so much, particularly in the Premier League, they are going to want um, full stadiums now. The Premier League, the, the Premier League TV deal before this one was around about, I think it was around about three and a half billion. This one jumped up to around five and a half billion what that means is if you if you pick the figures apart that's like the two billion increase every farm at every premier league game last season could have been let in for free and the clubs wouldn't have seen a drop in income overall compared to the previous deal because that couple of billion equates to 50 quid to every farm at every game that's how much money you're talking about and I think if you if you combine some of that being actually spread amongst fans and, and used to freeze or bring down ticket prices and also the FSF believes in a more equitable distribution of income through the leagues, i.e. a lot more of that Premier League money should be shared with the Football League because I think one of the special things about Britain is the strength and depth that um, will have the the, the size of clubs right throughout the football league and, and the conference even. So I think if you combine those two things, you see the amount of money we're talking about, there's enough money to bring down ticket prices and for clubs still to have plenty of money. Um, because if they keep squeezing and squeezing and squeezing, what you're going to end up with is people turning their backs from the live game and you're going to end up with empty stands like Nick Sayers. And you're going to TV companies saying, "Well, we don't want to pay that much money." So I actually think for freezing tickets or bringing down ticket prices, it actually doesn't necessarily lead to an income loss for the clubs. It is actually long-term protection of their product, for want of a better word, you know, for the live their TV deals that they get, because um, if they don't. And if you raise a generation of fans who think, you know what, I can't afford to go to the game. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go and sit in the pub and I'm going to have two or three pints with my mates and watch the game there. Because it costs us half the price of what it does to to go to a game. To sit in a pub, a couple of pints costs costs you a tenner. Should I do that? Yeah. And you grow up doing that. You never get into the habit. You know a match going is a habit and it needs to be habit forming when you're young. I don't think... it's suddenly people when they get to 25 and they've got a bit of disposable income. I don't think many people suddenly think, "Oh, I'm going to become a football fan." I think it's ingrained in you as well, you know. So I think for clubs' long-term financial security, I really think they need to make sure they don't lose this next generation of fans too. Pete,
4: Peter, just coming to you. I mean, you're a Norwich fan. Like I said, you know, you're you're used to paying these prices because like I said, there's nothing else to do. But let's be honest. Let's say hypothetically Norwich didn't go up this season. They didn't go up next season. What would your thoughts, and what do you think the fans' thoughts would be?
12: I think they'd be screaming at um, the chief executive to to lower prices. Um, I think this season, the fact that we've just come down from the premiership, hope is high. Um, We've had a a change of management recently. Um, I think we're expecting to at least make the playoffs. Um, I think if we don't go up this season or next season, I think there'll be a lot of trouble in Norwich, and I think you'll see the crowds dwindle. Because of the price, and thats that the problem. And they're prepared to lower the prices. I, th- I think you'll find most supporters coming to Norwich. Most Norwich supporters like the away fans. Um, there is great banter, and you, I'm surprised that you said that they were—they were disappointed, and, and and they were happy to to let you pay 35. Because I think you know the games with the away support in Norwich is terrific, and and. Most of the porters I know, they go there and they do like the banter with the away fans. And that, that really is a big thing at Norwich. So I'm surprised that they said, you know, pay your £35, take it or leave. But that was a bit of a, a bit of a surprise with that one.
4: But Maybe you find that those are the fans that actually don't go to every match yeah, anyway. It's, it's,
12: it's not the attitude of most fans, I wouldn't have thought, to be fair. I would have thought most of them would say, no, lower your prices, bring the supporters and we'll have a good day out. That's what normally happens. Can I ask a question, Pete,
6: and find out what the the um, atmosphere is like in the stadium at carrow Road? because I did notice it's the only ticket I've had for an away game this year where it says very firmly on the bottom uh, do not stand, persistent standers will be ejected from the ground Um, it doesn't look a very humorous stadium
12: friendly stadium to go to, I wondered if you had any comment about that? Um, I think as an away support you can stand up and you'll be fine as a home supporter you stand up you'll get thrown out Um, it's not like Brentford. Brentford is all standing. I, I was in the Brentford end when we played there and It's very partisan, very noisy. Norwich is, if we're doing well, it's a great place to watch football. If it's not, if we're not playing well, which we haven't done recently, it can be a bit of a library. Um, and the away fans tend to enjoy it more than home fans, unfortunately. Um, after saying that, it's a great place to go. Uh, before the game, the pubs are brilliant. They're all very friendly. You can go anywhere you like, and it's, it's a terrific atmosphere. Probably better before the game than during the game, sometimes, unfortunately. But um, I think the, the, the stewards tend to jump on the home fans more than the away fans. You know, the away fans will stand up the whole game and sing and chant, and no one says a word. And two or three home fans stand up, and the stewards jump on them. And uh, you, it um, does. Will you, will you give us, us our money,
7: back? back or we get chucked out.
12: <laughs> I don't think that happens, though. <laughs> So yeah, we're looking forward to seeing you with the coaching horses on Saturday anyway. Yes, yeah, yeah. Come up there, bring the the lads. It's a, it's a it's a very welcoming city to be fair. It's um, never any trouble though, You know, it's 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 great for away fans. It's if you if you ask any away fans, most of them might come to Norwich for that reason. There, plus the fact they normally get three points as well. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't help. So listen, just so, so summing up to this. So I mean, I know
4: we've got. What, Michael, you know you've got your campaigns going on. You've got your 20s plenty. We've got the categorization thing for us as lower league fans, as we call ourselves. As we're not in the prem, but we're a lower side down. You know, we want to see some more focus on getting a little bit of parity, getting getting the fans to get some say, to get some, on this ticket um, situation in the lower leagues in the championship in division one in division two and yes we know the TV money isn't the same as it is in the Prem but still there are things to be done because if a team like Brentford can charge 23 and 24 pounds to away fans and we are fifth in the league and then you've got a team like Norwich who charges 35 pounds with 60 million TV money and and 27,000 crowd there's something that's just not quite right there and, and you know like I said the business plan needs to be looked at the strategy needs to be looked at of clubs like that who obviously are paying out too much money to their players who obviously aren't performing and there's obviously different ways that they need to be doing their business so it's not like they can't do it it's just that it's ingrained into their heads that they need to charge these prices and then certain fans are thinking because the prices are this much then they are so I'm just thinking what can be done to actually get this parity. I know that you guys are doing lots of things with the SF, FSF, but is there any way that we can get involved? Is there any way that other people get involved?
13: Yeah, absolutely. I think there are actually lessons to be learned from another campaign that the FSF runs called the Safe Standing campaign, and for years I think um, the FSF and other fans groups like sort of banged on only the headline authorities to say, why don't you back safe standing Also, you know, would would go on to the FA and the Premier League and the Football League, we were getting too far. And then what we did was we changed tact slightly, and um, because these organisations keep insisting that trade bodies and they keep saying we need our individual members, i.e. clubs, to come to us with these um, issues we started trying to get inside the clubs you know, and winning clubs over one by one to the safe standing campaign and i think brentford were actually one of those clubs I'm, i think i'm right in saying the brentford um formally back safe standing trail along with um we won over loads of premier league clubs we won over dozens of football league clubs and it ended up at, um a football league debated this at the agm and would win so many clubs over that two-thirds of the Football League clubs voted in favour of having a safe standing trail. So now, official Football League policy is to back um, safe standing. Now, obviously, we then need the Football League to, to lobby the government, too, to allow that to happen. But you can see, if you can get inside and you can win the clubs over one by one, when they take these things to their AGMs, the put on them, and that becomes Football League policy. And this is exactly what we need fans to do. And it sounds like the ball's already rolling at Brentford, so you could be a real leader if um if Mark Devlin is is willing to take this type of issue to the football league, you know, get in touch with the FSF, we'll have a chat and we'll we'll sort of get on the inside track, you know, and start start making arguments to, to Mark so that when he does take it to the table at the Football League, well um other CEOs, other chief execs of clubs are are probably more likely to listen to him than than um Than fans from other clubs, you know. So I think the lesson is for each fan, each fan's group of their their own club to lobby their own executives, you know, because I think the FSF can do that at a national level. I think that's our role, and we do do that, and we will continue to do that. But also, it's too easy for the clubs to ignore if there isn't that local pressure from their own fan base, because at the end of the day, that's who pays the bills, you know, you pay the bills for Brentford, not me, so you need to get in to get your executives, and the same goes for the clubs around the country, you know, from Norwich and everyone else, and I also think it's really good to list list that um, like Pete's on here, and he's a really, like, civilised conversation with you guys, there's no, like, like, backbiting about it or whatever, because sometimes you see fans almost take some weird, um, like, it's almost like the proud to appear in the Huds, you know, they're not bothered if they're charging away, fans coming to their club through their nose, and it's just, you know, because if you fall into that, it's divide and rule, isn't it? I think supporters need to stick together and argue for each other, you know, argue that fans coming to your club deserve decent places, and hopefully in return, they do the same for you.
4: Well, that's right, and uh, I mean, interesting, because obviously the banter that we had with the, the Norwich fans, there are quite a few Norwich fans who were saying, 35 pounds is totally acceptable, you know, uh, uh, supply and demand, and if you don't like it, don't turn up, which we thought was really strange that they were just basically instigating that fans could come down and they should be charged as much as possible. We thought the fans should stay together. So this is a word to say fans out there actually know the prices don't have to stay the same. You just need to actually, you know, get off your asses a little bit, take a little bit of action because if you actually make a little bit of noise, people will start listening. Exactly. So listen. So listen Good little debate this, lads, and uh, learned quite a lot, and I hope people out there learned a lot as well, just to realize that ticket prices aren't necessarily what they are, because we can actually make them change. Yes, we're going to have to stomach 35 quid for Norwich, 34 quid for Leeds, but to be quite honest with you, we're going to have a good day out in Norwich anyway this year, whether or not we go back again next year if we're in the same league. That's a different story, and Norwich will have to deal with that. But listen, listen I want to thank, thank you to Michael from the FSF, nice one for coming on today. Thank you very much for Peter up in Norwich. We're going to see you with the coaching horses on Saturday. It, Billy? That's right, man. And uh, talk to you later, lads. So Saturday's coming up it's game time. We're going to go up to Norfolk and we're going to speak to the man, Jack Reeve, because he's going to, he knows everything that's going down in the Norwich camp. How are you doing, Jack?
7: Yeah, I'm very good. Thanks mate. Thanks for having me on.
4: That's no problem at all, man. Listen, let's go for a quick fire five Norfolk five. Okay. First of all, I want to find out Jack, where can we find you, mate?
7: Yeah, well, I've got a YouTube channel, much like yourself, uh, following everything Norwich City, talking to the fans, getting every bit of news I really can. You can find that on YouTube, uh, at Talk Norwich City. You can find me on Twitter, at Talk Norwich City. And I also run a website, uh, The Caracrowd, Crowd, which is a website promoting young journalists. So I'm all over the Norwich, the Norwich internet uh, sort of place, so you can find me over them. Uh, I'm sure you'll put various links out to, to help me with people finding me.
4: Jack? This is what the Brentford boys want to know, the boys and girls out there. How are you boys doing? How are your Norwich boys doing out there?
7: We're certainly on the up, definitely on the up. I mean, the season started really well under Neil Adams. Um, It was an appointment that not many people wanted. He's a bit of a club legend, and we've seen club legends go into the managerial job before and sort of ruin their legendary status. Neil Adams hasn't ruined it, but it certainly didn't help him. He struggled with experience. But we started the season well then really dropped off. We dropped a lot of points against fairly beatable teams at home, but now we've got this man, Alex Nealon from Hamilton, done an absolutely fantastic job over there. bit of an unknown, but he seemed, seems to be doing really well so far, two wins in two, and yeah, we're definitely on the up.
4: Bit of a hard man, Alex Neal, isn't he?
7: Yeah, he is, yeah. Um, he's certainly put a mark on the team already. Mike Phelan's gone after just two months, so I'm not sure what quite happened there. It was probably because Mike Phelan was a bit annoyed and not getting the, the the top spot at the club, but Alex Neal's come in, put a mark on, and that's what we really needed. A bit of a man that can shake things up and hopefully get us that promotion this season. You were in the Premier last season. You are
4: in the Championship this season. You're obviously looking to go up. You've got some decent players out there you think. Who are your
7: top boys? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've kept most of the most of our players. Alex Tete is an absolute machine in the middle of the puck. He might be missing this weekend, though, through injury. Uh, He missed last weekend. We've got some great strikers as well. I mean, Cameron Jerome this season has been absolutely fantastic. 13 goals for him so far. Gary Hooper as well. Uh, Everyone knows about him. He's a known goal scorer. John Ruddy also in the net. He was sniffing around the England call-up a few years back. Dropped off a bit, but still an absolute force in the goal. You've got the mighty... Mighty bees
4: coming down this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Anything you boys are worried about?
7: Um, well, we came down to your place, what was it, a few months ago and, and beat you 3-0. It was a bit of a lucky win. Um, you, you guys had a good spell of possession, looked good going forwards. Um, I like the look of Andre Gray. Um, I watched him a lot of Luton last season. I think he's a really good player uh, and our defence hasn't been that great this season. That's the sort of area that, that we struggle with. So certainly your attacking force could... Uh, could get their joys against our defence this weekend. Jack, I've got
4: to put you to the test, mate.
13: What's
7: the score prediction going to be? Oh, well, I've got to back my own team, mate. Um, I think I think we're on the up uh, under Alex Neal, and I'm, I'm looking forward to this weekend. I'm going for a for a 2-1 Norwich. 2-1 to Norwich, Yeah, Mr. Jack. Check him out on the internet.
4: Talk Carrow Road, he's all over the internet. We're going to catch up with you on Saturday, mate. We'll see you in the pub on Saturday. We'll probably do a few little video swaps on that, yeah?
7: Yeah, top man, mate. Nice one. Take it easy.
4: So the weekend is approaching. Saturday, Norwich. We're on the train leaving from Stratford. Don't forget, everybody. It's not Liverpool Street, Stratford. We're leaving on the trains to Norwich. uh, And it's going to be a good day out. Apparently, forget about the ticket prices. But other than that, wicked place. Loads of places to go beforehand. Pub by the river. um, Pub crawl all the way to the ground. Locals are really friendly, very away friendly Three point listen, if we listen this is an important game for us because we need to get another three points in the bag because that will lodge us properly in place, especially as not all the teams are playing in our division on saturday isn 't that right?
6: Yeah, um, the thing that worries me about Norwich is you look at their forward line um, they 've got um, they can play anybody from jerome Graben, Hooper. Carl Lafferty, all of whom score goals. Um I think Button and our defence are really gonna have to be on the ball on uh on, on Saturday. Um and I I worry that uh this we might get found out again. I thought Norwich were quite good when they came down to our place. Um and uh, Delia's pies are obviously doing them a bit of good. Um I'm this is one of those games I'm not so confident about.
5: I I, I agree with you. Um I, I think Saturday is uh, one of our sternest tests again. I, I think we saw what they were capable of uh, at Griffin Park and that's that's that wasn't that's that's not something that they're not capable of repeating. Um the on the plus side, um we've got we'll go to another stadium which will be impressive and the players will walk out and they won't be faced by it. We've gone to all these all these nice stadiums this year and we've performed well, Forest, Cardiff, Brighton, um, we've won at um, they, the, the players don't go out and they're not phased by the surroundings anymore. Um, I'm not sure the player the, the fans are quite acclimatized. I think we're all I think we're kind of more in awe of it than than they are still. Um, but yeah, the the Norwich are a, you know they're a, they're a good team. Um, and they'll push us. And I know Bill's going to ask us for our, um, our predictions in a minute, so I won't say what I'm going to. Um, I won't say what I think now. But um, yeah, I, I, just to echo what a great bunch. Of, I've produced two books for Norwich City. I've worked with the club. I've worked with the fans. They're an absolute pleasure. Um, the fans. Are, they're a real lovely bunch of people. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing some old friends again on Saturday, um, having a, having a few beers in and around the ground. And uh, yeah, I I I, I echo that. It's just a shame that it's going to cost us a fortune to watch the game. That's that's the only thing that sticks in my throat, to be honest.
4: You're right about the the
5: strikers.
4: strikers. You're right about the strikers. I have to admit, I remember that when we played them as well. Because seventy minutes we were brilliant, then all of a sudden they just turned up a gear, and then they went bang, and they scored them goals, and it was just like, and I think we realised at that time, God, this is a real class and quality when they've obviously, you know, these guys are probably on 35, 40 grand a week. And, um, you know, they've playing the goals in. But I think, you know, one of the questions is that, yeah, they're doing all right, but they've obviously come out of a great spell. And how much are these players really playing for the shirt as opposed to our players who aren't getting paid as much, but there's a real team spirit behind them. You know, some of them, you know, We've still got a lot of learning to do, a lot of growing to do for our players, but the one thing you know about it is that they do play for the Bradford shirt and, you know, when you've got these players at 20, 25, 30, 35, 40 grand a week, are they just going in and just sort of just doing what they have to before
6: they have to leave after 90 minutes? This is one of those games, Billy, where you'd really, really want to see people like the Cormac and judging the team. Um, they're not going to be there. I, it, you know, it worries me that we haven't got the... Grit um, to to stand up to what is a pretty powerful um, attack and a pretty strong midfield as well. Now, looking down the team list,
1: at the
4: end of the day, we know that we're going to have to be on our guard. Like I said, we've been on a good run, we'd like the three points, but at the end of the day, I know Mark Warburton doesn't go for the points, as in a point, but I think a point would be a good result for us on Saturday. Yeah, a point
5: would be a very good point. You know, we are well overdrew a draw. Um, and I'm, it probably might not happen again. Um, I I'm, I'm, I think this one could be a defeat for us. Um, not, not because we deserve to lose, and not, not that we won't play well. I'm sure we will. But I think it's going to be okay. i I'm, I'm happy to go through the season of win, 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 lose, win, 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 lose, rather than you know a sequence of draws. You, know, you were right to highlight this this week, Bill. That you know we've we've had we've had. Uh, the least draws in the in the, in the division, apart from one one other club, um, and um, that's that's because of our ethos. It's because Warburton sends us out to try and win a game in every game, and if we if you lose the game trying to win it, I'm happy with that, and, and it's got us to this stage. You know, not by boxing clever, not by not by trying to trying to sort of uh, be cautious and and just kind of. Just take your one chance. We just go for the jugular. And if that works for us, do we win the game? And if it doesn't work for us, then we lose it. But it's it's we're going to win more than we do lose. And um, I'm happy with that.
4: So what's the scores on the draws, Mr Lane?
5: Um, it's going to be 2-0 or 3-1 to Norwich. Nick, what are you saying?
6: I'm letting my head rule my heart and saying 2-0 Norwich. I'm going to go for one all. I think we'll still keep it tight,
4: and we'll put a bit of fight in there.
5: But that's not to say I'm I am delighted to be proved wrong. That's like as that's, that's if I put 50 quid on it. That's where that's where my money would be. But I'm not. You know, I'm spending all that money for me and my boy to go there, and I'm going there to win. I'm not going there to lose. And you know, we will sing our hearts out. We will back that team, and I have every every faith that they can win. If they don't. It's not the end of the world, we'll bounce back and we'll march on.
4: Okay. And ending on that happy note of the winning, this is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. We're going to Norwich on Saturday. We're going to win. We're going to try and win anyway. And if we don't, we're going to have a good day out. We've been told it's a good day out in Norwich despite the ticket prices. You could check out Besotted on besotted.co.uk. You could check out our podcast on audioboom.com forward slash besotted. And also we've got loads of videos on besotted 1992 on YouTube and we'll have a video for Saturday as well so this will be brilliant, thanks everyone for joining us on this show, check out next week's show the Borough fans will be down, we're going to be chatting to the Borough fans before on the podcast next week, they'll be telling us how many millions of fans they're bringing down to Brentford early, just get yourselves in the diary get down to, get down the pubs early that day, cause it's going to be a biggie, but before that Norwich on Saturday, come on let's get three points come on you bees, come
5: on you bees come on you bees